Last Word is a lifestyle brand focused on all things anti-human trafficking. According to the International Labor Organization, over 260 million children are forced into employment around the world. Making textiles and garments for the demands of fashion trends we see all on social media. This will often come at the price of a child being forced into labor trafficking. Our ambition at Last Word is to reduce the exposure of those who are trafficked around the world, starting with the garment industry. Last Word offers consumers a refreshed look at recycled, repurposed, and reloved fashion trends. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that fashion has a way of circling back around, and not always in the best way. Last Word takes all those unwanted and undesired garments, giving them a little TLC or repurpose to create a divine collection you will feel confident, amazing, and inspired in when wearing. Follow Last Word on Instagram at lastword underscore by SL and visit us online at lastwordbysl.com to get your latest fashion trends everyone will be sure to ask you about. Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Over 600,000 people are reported missing each and every year. The true number of those missing is actually much higher. Many people disappear and go unreported, the missing reports on thousands are not even received by local law enforcement if the person is over the age of 18. But when a small town in Chillicothe, Ohio starts having alarming numbers of women missing or found dead around the same time and location as each other and who all had ties connected to each other, you have to start to wonder what is really going on in Chillicothe, Ohio and the vanishing conspiracy. Tonight, we give the missing from Chillicothe, Ohio, the last word. How's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty good. <laughs> oh, man. I am here. We are here. We survived our 2023 ice apocalypse. Yeah, we all knew it was coming. Were we prepared? No. Was Texas ever not. prepared, though? We're no. not prepared for that kind of stuff. Mm -mm. And neither are all of these California people moving here. That's very true. <laughs> so I do not have a crazy news story. Do you? No, I do. Okay, so I was going to say I do have a story that I hope by the time this episode airs will be old news and we will have found someone who has claimed this young man. But here in Midland, Texas, a young boy was found over the weekend early, right before our snow, our ice, not our snow. We did not get snow. We got ice right before our <laughs> ice apocalypse of 2023 started. They the police in Midland, Texas, found a young 
African-American male. They believe it's either between the ages of 13 and 18, I believe, possibly 17. But he is nonverbal. And they don't know anything about him. They believe that he has been out on his own for a while. And they are trying to locate anyone that knows this young man. So I don't know if you saw that. I shared it on a few things. Yeah, I think I saw it in passing. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. I get it. I know. Everyone gets like, (laughs) I share everything. So a lot of people, like, I know. I know. I have a lot. But I'm hoping that by the time this episode airs, but as of our recording... He has not been found, so. Or the name of him, like who he is, where he belongs, who who he belongs to, I should say. So that's really the only news story I have. Hopefully we get some stuff on him and, you know. The police did say that they... found a way to communicate with him as well. Well, so the police did say that they brought in a speech pathologist person that specializes with this type of person that's not verbal they ended up giving him some paper and he did write the name Corderis, but they're saying it's his name. I also think the police are probably not revealing everything that they have discovered thus far about this young man, but they did say that he wrote the name Corderis and they're trying to determine who he is. There was a young kid out of Florida that went missing that was nonverbal. They did do a DNA. Uh, they took DNA from the young man in Midland, Texas, who wrote down the name Corderas, they took his hair sample and they are submitting it for DNA. But I watched the press conference and the police investigator for this case said that after she spoke to the detectives in Florida and comparing things, they don't believe that it's the same, but they are going to wait and determine that officially with the DNA. So who knows? Maybe... Maybe. A lot like can happen said, if you've disappeared. Might be old news by the time this airs. Yes. Hopefully he has been found as far as like who he is and where he comes from and, and his family. So this case tonight is a beating. And I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as possible because there's so much to cover. So let me know if you have questions. Please let me know if you have questions because I'm sure I've missed stuff. (laughs) I'm sure I've forgotten things. I've tried to do the best I can. There's so much information on tonight's case. This is a highly publicized case. Um, I believe it was ID that did a docu-series on this. um, And I started re-watching it, but I remembered why I didn't like it in the first place. I don't think it's like the best production I've ever seen. But... They cover a lot of the meat and potatoes around most of this, uh, most of the missing cases that we're going to cover tonight, but they don't mention a lot. So just keep up. Let me know if you have questions, but we're just going to like jump right in. So tonight we're talking about all of the missing women that have gone either missing or have been found dead in Chillicothe, Ohio. Our case tonight starts on April 3rd, 2013. 25-year-old Megan Lancaster would disappear from Willersburg, Ohio. Megan, along with most of our victims in tonight's episode, was addicted to drugs, and she would support that habit through means of prostitution, which is so common with human trafficking. Megan spent the day with friends and communicating with her mother around 7.30 p.m. that day, saying she was going to run errands before returning home to her parents' house to spend the night with her son. She never made it. Two days later, April 5th, 
Her car was found abandoned at a Rally's fast food restaurant in Portsmouth, Ohio. And her wallet was left on the passenger seat. Her sister-in-law would later state that they found a book with a name of, with a list of names and phone numbers that were color coded, color coded, (laughs) sorry, color coded with entries basically stating what each person's demand was because she was a call book. Exactly. A little black book. A little, yes, a little black book. And in that little black book was a man named Michael Mirren. He is an attorney. He was a former Portsmouth City Council member. And we will have to circle back with him later, Megan, because there's just so much to get through. (laughs) So that was Megan Lancaster is the first to go missing April 3rd. And she's still currently missing. She is still currently missing. Correct. July 21st, 2013, we have Holly Logan, who is 27 at the time, disappears from Columbus, Ohio. She was not reported missing until December of 2014, the following year. Authorities became more interested in Holly's case when they started to investigate the case of Jamie Bowen. As the two of them were friends, they had the same circles, they did drugs together, and they worked the streets together. Holly is still missing. Wow. Now we're going on to Jamie Bowen, her friend. Jamie Bowen was 22, went missing on April 10th, 2014. She was seen walking away from her sister's home to her, I'm sorry, walking away from her sister's home on her way to her parents, which was only a few, few blocks away. And she left behind two small children. She, and like I stated earlier, her and Jamie were both friends and were connected with the same set of people. The drug circle, the prostitution circle. Jamie is still missing. May 18th, 2014. You have Charlotte Trigo. She is 35. Was reported missing by her mother after having no contact with her daughter for two weeks. It is believed that she was last seen on May 3rd by her roommate, who has been reported to say that she went on a date with a man named Andrew and after the date found him, said that she found him to be weird and that she wouldn't see him again. Charlotte was addicted to heroin. She was working as a prostitute to support that addiction and her lifestyle. And we'll have to circle back to Andrew (laughs) later. So now this leads to May 20th, 2014. Tamika Lynch is 30 years old. She is reported missing by her husband, who has not seen her since May 16th. Her case is interesting in a lot of different ways. She's also really good friends with Charlotte Trigo, who went missing right before her. Charlotte Trigo went missing on May 18th. Tamika Lynch is reported missing on May 20th, but she's last to have been seen May 16th. So living this lifestyle, you can imagine, I'm sure these, and they're, 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 they're all using drugs, even Tamika's husband. So our timeline could be wrong. These girls could have gone missing together. Right. But we're also talking about Ohio, which for those that you don't, that don't know about Ohio, we're talking about Ohio, are we not? Yes, but what what about Ohio? So, like, in comparison standards, Ohio is, like, a little bit more, like, small town. 
You know what I mean? I do think Ohio is, yeah, I mean, and yes, to add to what you're saying, the town that all of these women and the counties that all of these women are going missing out of, yes, relatively speaking, compared to where we live, is way different. So all of these women, in the sense, know each other's names and know each other. Yes. More than likely. They all absolutely do. And I'm not, okay, I can't say that every single one knows every single one. However, when you start breaking it down, this one knows this one and this one and this one. And that one knows this one, this one, and this one. So when you start breaking it down in that sense, they are, yes, all connected in some way, some form. You can trace them all back to each other, whether that be through other friend groups, whether that be through the drug connection, whether that be through working the streets together. Okay. So, yes, they are – and – I think the town of Chillicothe, the last I looked, I don't think it's in my notes, um, but when I looked, I want to say their town is not, It, I think it's under, I definitely know it's under 50,000. I don't know why, but okay. 20,000 is So we're not talking head. about like a Dallas or a Los Angeles here. No. Okay. That is why this starts to become alarming, but up until this point, there hasn't really been a whole lot of media attention and hype around all of these missing women. I think with Tamika Lynch, she gets reported missing by her husband who says he hasn't seen her since May 16th. Her case, I think starts generating a little bit of like buzz around, Oh, wait a minute. Her friend just went missing right before her Jamie's case was never really mentioned. Holly's case wasn't really mentioned. And Megan Lancaster's case, those ones weren't really mentioned in a lot of the research I did. But I think that when you have Tamika's case, it kind of starts generating interest, especially because she's reported missing on the 20th. It's believed she was last seen on the 16th. We know there's drug addiction. We know there's prostitution around it. On the 24th of May, so just a handful of days later, her body is found. So four days after she was reported missing, but what? Seven, eight days after she was supposedly last seen. Her body is found by a kayaker in Paint Creek. She has no obvious signs of a struggle, no bullet wounds or blood is found at the scene Nothing outwardly appearing to show any obvious signs of a murder. They do find drugs in her system. In her system, she has morphine, codeine, alcohol, and they rule her death undetermined. It is rumored that, like I said, her and T- um, that Tamika and Charlotte could have been together at the time of their disappearances because. A, the girls both knew each other, and B, they both went missing around the same time. Her husband is a huge suspect, in my opinion, as far as, like, cases break down. So we're going to have to, like, circle back back. again on that one (laughs) as far as the suspect. Another suspect in her case, though, is this unidentified male that police had gotten a report on from a lady who had been attacked by him in the same area that Tamika was last known to be seen at. So he is also another suspect. So this is May 24th. And now we're moving on to November 3rd, 2014. 
Wanda Lemons, who is 37 years old at the time, would have her last communication with her adult daughter via messages. I'm not sure if it was, I think it was both text and Facebook. Her friend states that he saw Wanda on the day of her disappearance and heard that she had left for Texas. Now, Wanda was reported missing by her mother after almost two months of no contact. So she was reported missing in November, but, or excuse me, she was last communicated with in November, but she wasn't actually reported missing until late December. She is similar to the other women. She was a heroin addict. She was known to frequent the area of Bridge Street and Second Street, which is where majority of these women were working and... It's the red light. Yes, and or last seen at. So what I've heard about her is she had only been in the area for a short time. She had just recently like escaped this terrible relationship out of Texas, and she was scared of this man the last she was on some government assistance and the last time that she received any of this government assistance was november 2nd of 2014 most government Mm. assistance go out at the beginning of the month so i think it's safe to say that if she had her last communication on the third with her daughter something had to have happened after the third up until early december but she wasn't reported missing until like I said, later. Now, this takes us to December 24th, 2014. We have Jade Humble. She is 21 years old and she goes missing. Like all of the other victims in tonight's case, she had a great life. She did really well in school. She was preparing for college when during her senior year, She started hanging out with the wrong people. She started Mm. to get into drugs, which then led to heroin. And it sounds like she became pretty addicted quickly. It sounds like she had been in this and then... It was like zero to 60. Isn't it zero to 100? Zero to 60 and 3.5. No, okay, anyways. That actually does sound right. So you're probably right. (laughs) I always just say zero to 100. But for me, when you're... Heroin is like, that's the hard, hard. Yeah. That's like hard. And I feel like most people that I've encountered that have been addicted to heroin typically lead into that because they were using some type of pill, oxycodone, uh, you know, some type, some type of prescription medication. Yeah. Sorry. I just totally drew, drew a blank. <laughs> So she has this great life, Jade Humble, 21, has this great life up until her senior year, starts hanging out with the wrong crowd, and she becomes addicted to heroin. There's like nothing on this poor girl's case. I couldn't find anything. I did find, though, today, as I was like wrapping up stuff, a podcast on Jade, and it's called The Dossier for the Disappearance of Jade Humble. I didn't listen to any of it. I did not have a chance. I am going to totally go back and listen to it. But according to their notes, they do an interview with a girl named Brooke, who is a childhood friend of Jade. So I do want to go back and listen to it just to gain a little bit more understanding on her case. I believe Jade was the one that I did read. I think it's it's either Jade or 
Megan. One of them, they believe very much so that she could be a victim of human trafficking, but, and I think more in the sense of like taken and moved somewhere else. Okay. But I think we have to realize a majority of these women are, well, they all are the victims of human trafficking because they're, they're being compelled to do prostitution in order to feed their addiction and their lifestyle of drugs. Okay. So any questions leading up to this? No, but I'm starting to see a pattern. (laughs) A total pattern. And it just gets so much worse from here. Okay. So we've only found one body so far. Correct. Tamika is the only one that has been found. So we've got the missing Megan Lancaster's missing. You've got Holly Logan's missing. You've got Charlotte Trigo, who is still missing. Tamika Lynch goes missing and is found. Wanda Lemons is missing. And Jade Humble is missing. Okay. Okay. December 25th, 2014. A pregnant 20-year-old Shasta Hemmelrich left her grandmother's house on Christmas Day and said she would be back in a you know short time later. It has been reported that she had sent a text that she was coming back, but then I also read another article that she was actually at her grandmother's house when she received a text that she then told her grandmother she needed to leave and would come back either way she leaves and she does not come back she is caught on cctv footage at a speedway gas station in chillicothe which is just a few blocks down the street from the second street and bridge street area and i can't remember if i mentioned but tamika was last known to have been seen in the second street bridge street area behind a donato's pizza which i looked on the map and is just like not even three blocks i think from where this speedway is they're all relatively close and within walking distance of each other now shasta is seen on this footage entering the gas station alone she is seen to be wearing a pink sweatshirt and a gray or white it's kind of like an off-white sweatpants to me but to each his own is it the white blue dress white dress whatever black or gold yeah so you can see her though and note that she is seen you can look it up on the cctv footage wearing this particular sweatshirt that's pink and a gray sweatpants or white sweatpants i should say there doesn't seem to be anyone with her Then the next day, December 26th, sheriff's deputies receive a call from an off-duty Pike County deputy regarding a suspicious abandoned vehicle on Higby Road, which is about 20 miles, give or take, southeast from where Shasta was last seen on the CCTV footage. It has been reported that the off-duty officer, the caller, stated the dome lights were on and the passenger door was partially opened. The car had frost on the inside. Both her cell phones, yes, I said both, she has two, were on the inside, were in the inside of her car, along with credit cards, a shirt, 
an ATM receipt, which is what led to the CCTV footage discovery of her walking in and out of the gas station. They also found a syringe with a needle broken off with blood smears on the headrest and the back of the driver's seat. Deputies reported they collected blood samples and checked for fingerprints, but were unable to obtain anything. A pair of shoes were found during the search of the area, and then a further search was conducted for Shasta, but nothing was discovered at that time. Her car was then released from custody, only to be taken back into custody on December 30th when investigators at that point found a pack of Bic razors, which were open, and a blade was out, which had blood on it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This one is an interesting one for me. So note everything I'm saying. And I know I'm not like, I know there's so many cases and so much research that has been done on all of these. And I know I'm like giving the basic (laughs) readers digest highlights of them, but there's just so much that I want to get to our, you know, there's just a lot. So, (laughs) so like I said, her car was released. They find these big razors. Shasta's body was then found on January 2nd. 2015 in the Scioto River, which was about her body was found about 1.5 miles downstream from where her car was located on that like abandoned bridge area. Okay, so this is the second body that we found so far. Correct. From the story that we're going into. Correct. Okay, so everyone else is still missing. Everyone else is still missing. Okay. Yes, I believe that's correct. This is where I like my brain starts wobbling, but I think that's (laughs) correct. Yes. Yes. I'm following. I got it. Okay. So in the CCTV footage, which was timestamped around 3.15 a.m., we have Shasta seen in that pink sweatshirt hoodie, gray sweatpants. But according to the medical examiner's report, she was found in green pants, black shorts, a black bra, a red um black bra, red shirt, underwear and a green t-shirt. Two shirts? Wait, what? Okay. <laughs> so, in the CCTV footage, yes. She she's walking the- into the store looking like she's just sweatshirt running a quick Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A pink sweatshirt and like white gray sweatpants. Okay. And but then she's the in- autopsy reports that she shows up in a, it shows up in green pants, a black shorts. So two pairs of pants. Yeah. So she must have shorts So she, and underwear. So she's got underwear, she's got shorts, and she's got green pants on. Okay. She also has a black bra. She has a red shirt and a green shirt. They literally list, though, in the thing, red shirt and green T-shirt. So is there a so difference? she's got an undershirt on. Because when you say T-shirt, I mean, well, that's the thing, too. Like, a man's going to list that. Are they going to know, <laughs> like, a am wearing a cami? or Like, they don't know. So I'm just curious, is she... But either way, she's in two shirts. Yeah. What? <laughs> it is January, though, so, I mean, she could have layered on clothes, but mm-hmm. either way, that is what the autopsy report finds her in wearing. 
which is not what the last known footage of the CCTV that we have from the Speedway gas station shows. So that is very, very freaking questionable to me. Note that down, my friends. We have Ross County coroner John Gabbis, I believe is how you say his name. He found water in her lungs, cocaine and codeine in her system, six superficial cuts on her left forearm, which... It could be either or. It could be defensive or self-mutilation. She... She... Okay, I'm going to finish this. She showed no signs of pre-mortem trauma. Her death was ruled a suicide by drowning. And her case definitely has some twists and turns for me. Because she, like I said, was pregnant. She... Oh, I forgot. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was pregnant. There's so Jesus. much with all of these cases. I'm telling you when I was doing the research, I kind of like had to... I had to start color coding some of this just because if I was going back to reference no. something, it was just, it's so much. So yes, she is, it's Christmas day. She had only, we will get into all this later too though, but she had only just announced her pregnancy. She was very, very newly pregnant. She's 20 years old. She had definitely experienced bouts of depression but that does not make you or mean that you are suicidal. Mm -hmm. I need that to be like known because that that absolutely drives me bonkers. Just because you have depression doesn't mean you're automatically suicidal. Right. Um, but she did have some depression and some other obvious mental health issues. She was battling drug addiction as well. But yes, they rule her death. A suicide, even Jesus. though they like found her car, they gave her car to, right? Is this the one? Yeah. This is the one where they gave her car, they released yeah. her car from custody. They and gave her it. car back into custody. And then, and then you find all of the, the, all this additional evidence. Well, you've already lost the chain of command at that point. So can we really hold accountable <laughs> the things that you're finding? I don't know. It's questionable, but we have so much. Black Ball Photography, located in the heart of Old Town Louisville, is a five-star rated photography business with over 15 years of experience. Kelly Blackall, the owner of Black All Photography, has a way of making anyone feel confident and comfortable in those sometimes awkward shots. She can get a wonderful photo of anyone, even those Chandler Bing clients. Kelly can capture shots that look effortless and natural while locking in beauty around. Black All Photography will handle your class portraits, engagement photos, or even that perfect political campaign headshot. Kelly has done it all and loves to get creative with her clients. If you have been on the fence about getting those updated headshots or need family photos for the holidays, reach out to Kelly and book your session today at Black All Photography on Instagram. That's B-L-A-C-K-A-L-L Photography or you can visit at blackallphotography.com. Schedule your perfect shots today, and I promise you won't be disappointed. So this brings us to May 11th, 2015. Tiffany Sayer, 26 years old and a mother of two, heads out towards... Second Street and Bridge. Exactly, with her friend Jesse, where they meet, according to Jesse, three construction workers, went back to their Chillicothean motel to party with these men. 
Jesse would later state that the men would get aggressive with the girls and they became uncomfortable deciding it's time to leave and go score some more drugs. After taking the drugs, Jesse says the girls ended up back in front of her house where Tiffany tells Jesse that she wants to go back to the hotel to continue to party with these guys. Oh, no. I know, but like, have we, we've all been there where it's like you don't want the night to end and you're still yeah. partying. So you're like, oh, let me go back. I don't know. Even if you don't want to, though, you you just got to stick together. Well, and imagine what time it is at this point, like in, oh, the, yeah. in the night, like call it a night. But we know that they went and did drugs. So she's now on this high. So she's ready to partay. 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 Now, according to Jesse, she tells Tiffany that she should not go with these guys, like go back to the part, the apartment, back to the hotel with these men to party. And they part ways. Jesse says that Tiffany told her she was going to head back to her grandmother's house and go home, but she never makes it. I also read another report, though, where she said that she was going to go back to her grandmother's house to grab something and then go back to party with these men. What mm. ended up happening, I do not know. She never makes it back to her grandmother's house. We do know that her phone pings the last time near Route 23 and Marietta Road. The police were able to track down two of the construction workers, stating that they were out of, from out of town, they're working on a job site, that they were forthcoming and cooperative, and that police discredited Jesse's statement that there were three men there that night and that it was only two. Okay. And that was on that docu-series I watched. So I got to think about that. I'll circle back later, but remind <laughs> me to come back to that. So the men in this story, they spoke to police and their their stories apparently matched that of Jesse in that when the girls left, they never saw Tiffany again. Wow. The family of Tiffany Sayers said, has said publicly that they didn't really know Jesse very well, who claims that she is Tiffany's best friend. But, I mean, first of all, I'm not in this lifestyle, and I'm aware <laughs> of that. My parents don't even know half my friends, okay? And even the friends yeah. that I've had since college, my dad gets confused all the time. So I'm just going to throw <laughs> yeah. that out there with that. However, That's with this true. lifestyle, I think it's fair to state that your family most likely probably does not know or is not aware of everyone in your circle. Right, and you this associate with on a daily basis. And this may be her best friend in that realm. In this sense. Yeah. Right. Not her best friend that you knew growing up mm -hmm. in grade school and you know, Girl Scout camp and all She's the fun things. She's the best friend in terms of I know what you get into at night. Yeah. The friend that knows everything that's going on in her life in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I do want to point that out. Now, that leads us to May 29th, 2015, near Trigo Creek Road off US 23. A lady follows a blood trail which leads to the discovery of a body which is laying face down naked with her head under or shoved up under this guardrail. It's horrible. At the time of this discovery, the small town in Chillicothe assumes that this body is that of 
Tiffany Sayer, who has been missing just... Right, on the news. She And she's, she's around town. She's local. She's the recent one that had just gone missing just several weeks before, right? So mm-hmm. they find her on May... They find her body... Or they find a body, I should say, excuse me, on May 29th. Tiffany Sayer went missing on May 11th. So just a few weeks later, they find this body. Everyone in this small town, instantly, it's Tiffany Sayer. Three days later, the police announced that the body that was discovered was that of another woman named Timberly Clater. Wow. The discovery of Timberly Clater from our timeline... And from the investigation we've done has led us to 10 total victims in this case. Because we're counting the four that the mainstream media and all of these other people covered. Totally didn't. They didn't cover those. Or didn't cover. Right. Yeah. The, the original six. four. Yeah. So we're up to 10. 10. Now, let's give... Do you want to give like a quick recap? Do you do you do you know? Can you do you want to give a quick recap? Do you want me to give the quick recap of all the cases of all the people? So you've got. So we've got in 2013 we have Megan Lancaster and Holly Logan. They're both still missing. In 2014 you have Jamie Brown, and then also in 2014 Bowen. Jamie Bowen. I think Jamie. I misspelled that. It's Jamie Bowen. Okay, so Sorry. in 2014, you also have Jamie Bowen. She's still missing. 2014 as well, Charlotte Trago and Jamie- Tamika Lynch go missing. Tamika is also found dead 30 miles away in Paint Creek. Her death is ruled as a undetermined suicide. And then also in the end of that year, you have Jade Humble who goes missing and then on the 25th, Christmas, you have Shasta Himmelrich, who goes missing, and they find her bar- body after her cars are discovered abandoned on a bridge, and they rule her death as a suicide as well. Wanda Lemons is reported missing in December of that same year, and it is believed that she was actually missing in November. And then finally in 2015, you have Tiffany, and then the body of Timberly Clater, who was never reported missing. And we still don't know anything about Tiffany so far as well. Correct. So I do, everything you did was great, except Tamika was not ruled a suicide. It was just ruled undetermined. Okay. So you've got 10. That was close. Close. I'm (laughs) proud of you. You did freaking amazing. So you've got, you've got 10 women. You've got the dead body of Tamika, which was listed as undetermined. You've got everyone. The only other dead body at this point that we have is Shasta Himmelrich, whose body when she was pregnant and her body was found and it was ruled as a suicide by drowning. Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten to that yet, but her death was then ruled by a suicide by drowning. Now you have Wanda Lemons. She's still missing. You've got Tiffany Sayer. And now you have who Tiffany Sayer is missing. Now you have a third dead body, which is that of. Timberly Clater. So 10 missing women in total and three have been found dead. At this time. At this time. So from Jump Street, the police stated that they did not believe Timberly's case was related to the other women. Now in The Vanishing Women, which I think we said aired on the ID channel, I I believe, don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure it's the ID channel. They interview 
Ross County Sheriff George Lavender, and he states in that show that he said to the investigators he wanted somebody in jail by Monday after they found Tiffany Timberly, excuse me, Timberly Clater's body. So George Lavender, the Ross County Sheriff's Department, is telling everyone, I want somebody in custody by Monday. So law enforcement quickly starts closing in on a man named Jason A. McCrary. He is 36 years old. He is from Chillicothe. And a tip was called in, which led police to CCTV footage of Timberly in a car that was then traced back to McCrary, who was a registered sex offender, <laughs> having been convicted of unlawful sexual misconduct with a minor pre- like several years previous to this. Timberly was never reported missing. It is believed she was only gone for a short period of time before she was killed. And at this point, she's the only one who has been shot. She was 38 years old. She was shot. Correct. Okay. She was shot. The investigators into Timberley's murder leads in detectives to a house where they find the car that Timberley was last seen in, which has blood on the outside of it. And then they find McCrary inside. This dude's got like all kinds of face tattoos. So they like knock on the door and they instantly know it's him because... It's super, profiling. Yeah. super identifiable marks. This home that he's at is in close proximity to where Timberly's body was found. And because he is a registered a sex offender who failed to provide his new address to police, dun, 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 they arrest him. <laughs> they arrest him. They hold him until they can get forensics back on the case and the blood that is found in the car. Like all the other ones, we will have to circle back to... and bring it around. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Do you have any questions? I think I'm following fairly well. Okay, because I'm not sure my writing was so great on this, so (laughs) we're going with it. This brings our timeline to early June 2015. The Chillicothe Chief of Police, Keith Washburn... Asks for assistance in the investigation from state and federal authorities. Now, publicly, they are only accounting for six women. All of the research I have done, everything I have found, they are only accounting for six women. But I am accounting for 10 because through our research, we have found an additional four women that went missing around the same time or prior to the rest of these women. No major media outlets mention Megan Lancaster, Holly Logan, Jamie Bowen, or Jade Humble. Hmm. I know. People are getting worried. Yeah. Like, I've got a theory. uh, Right? And we haven't even gotten into (laughs) all the suspects. So your theory could totally change. But, like, people in this town are starting to get worried. They're starting to question All the things. Is there a serial killer on the loose? Where are the remaining missing women? Who murdered Timberly? Why was she murdered? How are all these women connected? Like, the questions are endless around this case. Yeah? No? No, yes, they are. I have a lot of questions. Right. I also have... I have a very good theory. (laughs) (laughs) I think you do. We'll get there. So... (laughs) With the assistance from 
these other agencies, the Missing Women of Chillicothe Task Force is created. Within the task force is the Chillicothe Police Department, the Ross County Sheriff's Department, the State Bureau of Criminal Investigation, the Highway Patrol, and the That's FBI. a lot of people. I thought the same thing. What was the case that we covered where it was all, um, oh, and they found her. Kaylee Jones? Kaylee Jones. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing when you get all of these agencies involved. And one, I can understand why multiple agencies are involved because several of these women are found if within different districts, right? Or counties. Mm. So you're going to, one may go missing from one county or they're found in another, but these counties are super close together. My problem, they never though, talk to each other. <laughs> is that they never talk no. to each other and you're missing information mm -hmm. and we will have to totally circle back on like all the things later. But like when you get the FBI, it's just there's a lot of room for error. Yes, because they don't talk to each other. They're not sharing information. One has this lead. Another one has this lead. They're all interviewing the same people, same questions, and they're not talking to each other. Right. And so what is getting lost in the cracks? The missing women. Uh, exactly. But also the facts around finding them. Exactly. But you're right. These missing women are the ones that are getting fall in the crack. They're falling mm. through the cracks. Their families aren't getting any justice because it's falling through the cracks. And I think that it's good to have oversight from all these people, but it leads a lot of room for error because it's it's easy to say, oh, well, I thought the FBI was doing it. Oh, I thought the Ross County Sheriff's Department was covering that. Oh, that person wasn't found in our district. It's just awful. And they're not making connections. That's the other thing, too. Right. So Keith Washburn, um, Washburn, excuse me, the police chief for Chillicothe, states that he's quoted of saying in a conference that one of the things that people have said is we treat these people differently because of their lifestyles. That is totally untrue. These ladies are someone's daughters, someone's mother, sister, aunt. These are human beings and we are going to give it 110% to try to find them. Now I have heard some conflicting, I have read some conflicting reports on from some name brand media sites on whether or not the creation of the missing women of Chillicothe task force was first or the June 20th, 2015 discovery of Tiffany Sayers body. Okay. Because this was all in the same month. Some reports have said that her body was found and then the task force was created. I read an article that said the task force was created at the beginning of the month and then at the end of the month her body was discovered. Either way, all in the month of June of 2015, a task force is created. Tiffany Sayers' body is now found. So that leads us to four... Four bodies... And Tiffany is the one that went to the party with the construction workers. Correct. Okay. With her friend, Jessie. Yes. And then she told that right? her yeah. friend that she was going to go back to the party and or go back to her grandmother's house. But she ends up missing after that. Correct. And we've heard different, and we will get into this when we go into the suspects and all the things, but we've we've heard... We've heard, y'all haven't heard because I haven't said it, but I have read 
conflicting stories from Jesse. She was also a known drug addict. Um, some of the earlier reports I've read have stated that she was that going to go to grandma's house and then go back to the party. And then later on, it's been said that she just said that she was going, that she had mentioned that, but that after Jesse had told her she shouldn't, she was going to go home. Lots of confusion around what was actually said. It's been reported multiple different ways. So at this point, how credible can Jesse actually be? And I don't want to like discredit someone because they're using drugs, but if it's been quoted that she has said multiple things at this point, the point is she, I think what has been consistent up to this point is that she has maintained that she left her. Tiffany left Jesse at some point, but she has wavered on whether or not she was going back home or going to. Right. Okay. So this takes us to June 20th, 2015. We find Tiffany's body found in a culvert ditch near Cave Road and Highland County. She was thrown away like trash, Megan. And the crazy thing about her case is she is 1.5 miles from where Tamika Lynch's body was found in Paint Creek. Wow. Both of these women are discovered in a very rural area out in the middle of nowhere. And they're less than a mile and a half from each other. Tiffany was covered in a white cloth or is what is what has been described as a painter's cloth. She was partially nude. There was duct tape at the crime scene. I am unsure on where the duct tape actually was, like if it was on her, if it was a roll that was nearby, but it in the 911 phone call, the person calling in about the body states that there's duct tape. Her death is ruled a homicide, I believe. Now, Tamika Lynch's body, like I said, was located 1.5 miles away, and she had gone missing, and it was located just the year before. So this is also a very, like I said, a very rural area. Yeah, but a year apart, though, they should also be ruling something. It's got to be similar in the fact that you've got multiple similarities at this point. They're both addicted to drugs. They both are working in the sex trade industry. And now they are both found dead and within a year of each other. Uh, right. And within a mile and a half of each other. Mm -hmm. So that's four pretty damn similar coincidences. And I don't necessarily believe in coincidences. I do want to say, though, one quick thing is I've read a few different reports that Tiffany was shot in the head. The autopsy report that I was able to access online, which could, yes, have redacted pages to it, stated that she had cocaine, amphetamines, Dilaudid, and morphine in her system, along with alcohol above the legal limit. It did state that there were no gunshot wounds or blood at the scene. Now, at the scene, to me, would imply that just might mean that they couldn't tell at the scene, and then once they got her body back to the lab, they might have been able to determine whether or not she actually was shot. Okay. But I don't know because... That makes sense, yeah. Right. I also think police are probably keeping a lot of this shit close to the vest at this point. Yeah. I would agree. They're trying to keep some of it under wraps so that they don't uncover things that they don't want the killer, killer 
sir (laughs) to know about right especially if they have um you know the vigilante wannabe suspects coming forth Mm -hmm. like trying to get a plea bargain for another crime and they're just saying that they committed this and these are the things that they're holding in close to the vest nothing that i could find from any reputable site stated that she was shot but i did want to mention it because i did read it on a couple different platforms that seemed one of them was a podcast that was investigating this from the early days so it could just be street gossip from the town but police could not determine how long tiffany sayer was out there but they did believe that she had been dead for the amount of time that she had been gone but they don't believe that she was out there and exposed for that amount of time which leads me to believe then was she killed and stored somewhere before she was dumped? I, or did they just find the perfect window of opportunity and then someone just by luck happened to stumble upon her? Exactly. By this point, Megan, the fine folks of Chillicothe are starting to wonder what I think we all are. Serial Is there a serial killer? Yeah. And now the police... Under pressure. <laughs> Under pressure. Under pressure. Pushing down on them. Yeah, for real. Good song. So there's still so much more to get to in this case. We haven't even touched on all of the suspects. I think this might might be a good time to just stop and then mm-hmm. we'll have to do this a two-parter. Yeah, come back for our series. Yes, we'll break down some other... Because I have a good one. I think we both do, (laughs) but we also will come back and we'll break down a little bit more on some of these cases and the particulars about some of them and how they're connected and and then the suspects for sure. So do you want to give us the weekly spotlights? Yes, I will. So first we have Joanne Elaine Coughlin, who was 21 years old when she was last seen on December 27th, 1974 in Youngstown, Ohio. Joanne is described as a white female with brown hair and green eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighed around 140 pounds when she went missing. Joanne is signed in at a health spa in Boardman, Ohio. She made plans to meet her boyfriend at his home later that night, but she never arrived and has never been heard from again. Her 1968 Ford also disappeared and has never been recovered. She was last seen wearing blue jeans, a black shirt, blue tie, green leather jacket, and tan shoes. Anyone with information is asked to call the Youngstown Police Department at 330-742-8921. Next, we have James Thomas Stanley, who went by Tommy. He was 25 years old when he was last seen on September 1st, 1974 in Plains, Ohio. Tommy is described as a white male with blonde hair and blue eyes. He was approximately 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighed around 140 pounds when he went missing. In 1974, he stated that he was leaving for Florida and hasn't been seen since. His car was later discovered in South Carolina. This case is being followed up by the FBI. Tommy has a fair complexion and has a scar on his abdomen. He also has an upper partial dental plate. Anyone with information is asked to call the Athens County Sheriff's Office at 740-593-6633. 
Last, we have Mohan Sandra Valenki, who was 23 years old when he was last seen on May 18, 1985. Mohan is described as an Asian male with black hair and brown eyes. He was approximately 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighed around 160 pounds when he went missing. Mohan has a 1-inch mole on his wrist on his left hand. There are a few details regarding his disappearance. Anyone with information is asked to call the Kemp Police Department at 330-673-7732. The Power Project Collectives wants you to step into your purpose, own your gifts, and take action. This amazing organization is filled with drive, mission, and determination to end human trafficking. Shop the Power Project Collective where you can support socially responsible female business owners working to end human trafficking through transitional employment, mentorship, scholarship funds, and more. Last Word is proud to be a part of the Power Project Collective and to share these amazing gifts and talents of so many. Check them out at thepowerproject.com and help make a difference in a survivor's life. All right, so you guys are going to have to come back next week to break down all these crazy suspects and see where the investigation at uh, the investigation is at now with the missing women and the additional missing women that have gone MIA out of Ooh. Chillicothe. Um, we've taken it up to the meat and potatoes of what the mainstream media has had, but come back and we will break down some new unfortunately some new missing cases and then all the suspects so until next week true crime friends we will remain loud bold and out there with all we do and you fine folks stay vigilant be aware and always remember what the world needs now is love and not hate like subscribe share bye